0: what's up everybody welcome to AST with Maddie B so what the fuck is AST and who the hell is Maddie B well I am Matty B aka Matt Burnham and AST is the story of my life and this has been a long time coming I've been trying to put this out for months now and it's now March 16th 2020 And it couldn't be better timing considering we're dealing with a little bit of an entire country shutdown. So, what the fuck does AST even stand for? AST stands for Adapt, Survive, Thrive. So, this episode will set the stage for future episodes where I will be primarily talking with other people. There might be some bonus episodes coming up considering what we're living through right now. However, the first guest will be my first employee I ever hired named Connor Craft at my first business I ever started. He was 16 years old when I hired him, and he still holds the Maddie B Sales MVP years later. He even has a trophy to prove it. He even beat me sometimes, which uh, made me proud and a little bit pissed off. Later, he went on to do many things, which he will have the opportunity to talk about here in depth. I also look up to this kid because he was able to do the things that I was doing after I turned 26 at a very young age. I wasn't able to do it. I just was in basically la-la land and chaos, and I was in love with it at the time. I was in love with the chaos. And so I'm going to share a fast-forward version of my experiences and why AST is the cycle of life and why it will be required to be done more frequently as life moves faster and faster. My experience only goes to present day. The people that are going to be interviewed are some of the people I've met throughout my life and are from all different walks of life. This podcast isn't limited to business-relevant content, but it is focused there because in every person's story, lies the truth that we live in an economy and adapting, surviving, and thriving is largely based off the ability to produce and provide for the life you want with money. Money is green. Money is go. Money is possibilities. Money is important, although it may not be the most important thing. Knowledge, skills, and habits is a universal truth that will you allow you to adapt, survive, thrive more efficiently. <clears throat> so, I started a GNC franchise, which was my first business endeavor that was a real business, a legal business, and that actually had employees and, and, and things of that nature. And so, I was living in a sober house when I started it, and... I didn't know what I was doing. I was working in the mortgage industry with my mother and uh, commuting 45 miles each way, heading back to the city of St. Paul to go uh, figure out my life at the end of every day. And so it was an interesting time, but I was going through a little bit of a midlife crisis. My family had always been in real estate. I was uh, re- developing who I was just at the very, very fundamental basics, you know, laundry, chores, figuring out how to feel again, like basics. And so it was a joke, but I looked up franchising a GNC and I had done it in college to, uh, renovate a retail center for highest and best use. And that's a commercial retail project. That's what they want to do to get the most rent uh, from tenants as they can while providing stability to the center. And so I knew a little bit about that type of stuff. So I went and scouted things out, came to the decision to open my own shop and not buy someone else's existing in the city of Brooklyn Park, which is actually where I currently live. And I like that area. Um, there was some stigma against that area and I was advised not to, to, to participate in business activity there. And I ignored it. You know, I, I was young, I was ambitious. I wanted to do something different. This aligned with my lifestyle. I literally was trying to live well, uh, in every form and facet. And of course I got addicted to working out and I would definitely call it an addiction because, uh, I know what it's like to be addicted to something and, and and it was. That's not to say that that was a bad thing, but I had to figure that out later. And so I went to Brooklyn Park, knew that was the spot. course, problems started from day 1. Got into a car accident in the parking lot. That was a mess. And then filled out all the application documents, which were extensive. Got the contracts reviewed by an attorney out of Minneapolis, which happens to be one of the leading franchise attorneys in the country, which I had no idea. I just searched that shit on Google. And uh, they provided me with some good information. They said that was the one most one-sided contract that they'd ever seen. And GNC protected themselves very well. I said, sweet, I'm going to do it anyways. And so I did. And it took about 10 months. And we opened that bad boy up. And it was a disaster from day one because I was dating someone and they disappeared. Uh, I thought she was pregnant, still don't know to this day, ended up with another dude, tried to get her back, didn't work out. You know, everybody's got that story in one form or fashion. Uh, but I was definitely overwhelmed. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to pull this shit off and, uh, Luckily, I had some supportive friends that lived with me from the sober house when I bought my own house before I left the mortgage industry. And that leads me to the next thing, right? Which provided me, and an, there's not even a thing that would have been able to replace this smart decision that I made, which was moving out of the sober house with three different dues from out of state and they paid me rent. And I did that, got a deal, still worked at the mortgage company. And I charged them $650 a month. And basically what that did was it paid for my mortgage payment plus a little bit of buffer. And if you don't know what the hell that is, it's called house hacking, right? It's actually a thing that people do. And so $650 times 3 is $1,850 a month. That equals $23,400 a year, which means a shitload of money over the course of the first three years that that GNC was in business. I was never home. I worked every single day, open to close by myself, until I met that uh, gentleman named Connor, that will be on here on the next episode, and and that's a whole nother story in itself, a blessing, uh, even though I didn't know it at first. But if you take the math on twenty three thousand times three or four years, that's a hundred thousand dollars that I didn't have to pay out of my own pocket and actually made a little bit of money especially because another person ended up moving in unexpectedly which was somebody's girlfriend so it was just a zoo but I needed the money they were good people and 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 I don't regret anything it was the most awesome experience of my entire life during that transition because had I moved out of that sober house by myself I would have been most likely shit out of luck and, and and I would have collapsed because I didn't have a support structure without them, And so not paying a living expense on top of all that provided me what was necessary for those years when that GNC didn't make any fucking money because it didn't. And so I did not know what I was getting myself into, right? I did not even know how to hire people. I didn't know how to do any of the insurance shit. I was overpaying for damn near everything. Uh, I had an accountant, I had an insurance person, but they were busy, right? They're not taking a young guy underneath their wings and teaching them things, which is pretty much the commonality or common occurrence that I've found in life, right? Long story short, you're fucking required to teach yourself and you can go find information anywhere. It's just a matter of how long it takes you because the skill of going on the internet and finding out real information that checks out, that is valid, is a skill and it requires a lot of practice and time. So just like I said, knowledge, skills, and habits, that's a skill whether you know it or not because you're not just good at it because fucking Google's on your search bar. It's not the way it is. That's why most people don't utilize it to its fullest potential. And so... I thought a second store was a fabulous idea about a year after I started the first one because I started getting the hang of some stuff. You know, I started to have super sales. We'd do $10,000 in a weekend. You know, Connor was slaying. I was slaying. Uh, I became very good at sales, and, and it was out of necessity, and it's also because I was selling something I believed in, right? I was having fun. So those things started to align. But it's extremely hard to get somebody to walk in the door at a retail store and, even five years ago when this was originated, let alone nowadays, uh, it's, it's an interesting five-year period since I opened to today. So that second store was a flat-out mistake. There was, there was nothing else to say about it. Uh, do I regret that mistake? Absolutely not because I learned a lot from it. And so that was an existing store. I bought it from corporate. Uh, that acquisition was a nightmare. I would have never, ever bought another store from corporate due to the transfer process and the overall headache. But the big bonus is that store already did more than my Brooklyn Park store in sales. And so I didn't realize the transition of taking one small retail location into two. Okay, there's there's a lot of different ways to run it. You can have multiple LLCs. You can have multiple payroll. Uh, every, you can have everything separate. You can run your books together. You can run them separate. So that was a trial and error. And of course I made every fucking mistake possible. Okay. And I don't come from a quote unquote, uh, uh, poor family or anything like that. But that doesn't change the fact that I still didn't have anybody mentoring me or guiding me in those processes. And so this entire time, I was still taking almost no money out of the stores because I wasn't even able to do my books quite accurately enough to be confident in what I could actually pay myself and I didn't need the money so you keep it in there because that's what you do or that's what I told myself I needed to do especially because I had my mother who's the most awesome woman in the world and she backed a lot of this stuff, right? Like her name's on it. So it was very important to me especially after I got sober and stopped disappointing her and stopped being a deadbeat to make sure that this business plan that I presented panned out, or at least I gave it 100% and didn't take any of her fucking money. And so that's really hard when you come from a mother that is willing to give you money, and that's literally probably another podcast. But I stuck to that. And I stuck to it forever, uh, since the day I got sober. And so that was one of my big, big promises to myself after I got my mind straight that I was not willing to break. Like it, it was the it's the one rule that I have in life, probably even still to this day, because I don't really have a lot of rules, and I don't really care a lot about a lot of things. I just don't give a shit about them. Because a lot of things are out of your control and, and, and knowing that is, is is beneficial. So franchising in general was an experience and although I would probably never do it again, it was single-handedly the largest learning experience I have ever had in my life and it was super difficult. And I am astonished that people start businesses from scratch just themselves Going ham with, with really no direction and no operational system. Because although GNC's operational system is basically out of 1985 with some upgrades on it, you know, it's still a system. They still did have an onboarding process. And I don't I don't I think it was exactly the meant to be the way it was. I don't think I could have handled any more. I think I bit off more than I could chew, but there's a saying out there, you know, that somebody upstairs doesn't give you more than you can handle. And uh, that definitely is true because I was maxed out on my working hours, my mental capacity, my emotional capacity, and, and it made me grow and learn. And so the reason why I say I would never do it again is primarily because lack of control. And in a franchise system, you sign up to utilize their brand name. And and they built that brand name over a long course of time. And GNC's built a great brand name over a long course of time. And if you enter into these contracts that I just told you earlier, were the most one-sided contracts my attorney had ever seen, you're contractually obligated to follow certain rules, do certain things, perform certain tasks. And what I realized was, is that I'm probably not built to follow something that doesn't necessarily make sense in the present. That doesn't mean it didn't make sense in the past. And the larger the organization, the harder it is to change. And so I'll give you an example. Social media was not allowed. I had violations from the legal department. And you fast forward now, I mean, I had to shut down my accounts, right? And I invested a lot of time and they got shut down repeatedly. And now it's just fair game, right? Like social media, of course, they're encouraging you to use it. Well, duh. But at the time, it wasn't allowed because it wasn't allowed, and you follow the rules because you follow the rules. Like that's that's the deal. And if you don't, there's consequences. And I respect all that. So I, I shut it down, and I kept floating the line because I did believe it was in the best interest of myself and GNC because I did put out content that I spent a lot of time on. I made sure the brand integrity was good. But how do you regulate it that at scale from their perspective? And that's why they didn't allow it. And so there's nothing against franchising. It really, really comes down to are you built for that business model? And uh, after I learned that business model and took everything I could from it, keep in mind I still own this uh, uh, store and I, and I love what I do, Uh, Although I don't work in that store at all, except for special events, but it still gives me great value to today. And there wasn't anything that could have replaced that learning experience. And so it's a great way to start if you have capital. If you don't, you're going to probably have to start a different way. But I'm not saying that franchising isn't a good business model, but it, but it does depend on who you are as a person, what that business is doing, what the future of that business looks like. Uh, and, and so many different factors that I was not even capable of analyzing those. When I first started, I just went to the basics, real estate, real estate. And you know, five years later, that first store is up a hundred grand in sales this last year because of nearby closures and me closing down the other store actually increased sales at that location too because my best staff is there. All my focus is there. All their focus is there. My community's there. I live a hundred yards from there. It's where I exist. And so focusing on one thing at a time is also a message I'd like to hit home because spreading yourself too thin is very very dangerous and I've I learned that the hard way and it made me sacrifice a lot of like my time, my emotion, my brain stress uh but I figured out how to downsize and it worked out the way it was supposed to. Uh I had to make a decision because that lease was expired to close down the other store, take a loss, take the take the inventory over to Brooklyn Park and um sell that inventory at Brooklyn park and just straight up, take the loss. And it was a good decision. And at that same exact time Brooklyn park was coming up for a lease extension. And I was literally prepared to close both stores inside of the same three months and just walk away and and take the loss. And that would have been a loss that was not only mine, but my family members. And it would have been real if both stores closed and you know, you have to know when to throw in the towel. And it wasn't time to throw in the towel quite yet at the original store. My real estate background served me well. That store geographically, demographically, population-wise will make that store successful regardless of what the internet does in the next 12 months. And so knowledge, skills, and habits. Identifying opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't be able to identify are a direct result from intentionally waking your ass up every day and and acquiring knowledge, skills, and habits. Not going to work, going there with acquiring intangible assets, which are knowledge, skills, and habits. If you go to work to make money and show up, you better hope that same exact job is there forever because if you're not learning anything good luck transitioning, good luck pivoting, good luck adapting in order to survive in a different environment and then doing that fast enough to thrive in it because there's competition in every environment. And so the unique opportunity that I'm talking about is uh, a relationship that I got from GNC, from just being in the world of GNC, nutritional supplements, and everything else. And that opportunity, although I can't disclose a lot of details on it, will make me more money by the time that contract is out than both stores' investment. So even if I would have closed that deal and shut up shop last year, that other unique opportunity that I never would have got, that other people missed out on, in my industry that I know personally would have paid for the entire mistake. So the bottom line is you don't know what the future holds. And that's why it's important to not be walking around like a zombie and pay attention to what you're doing. Right. And, and school is a whole other subject, post-secondary education, things like that. But learning in the real world, the opportunity is everywhere you go all day, every day, Except for probably when you sleep. And so I'm super grateful for that. And it made me realize how random opportunities can truly be. And if you're stuck with your head in the sand, which is really easy in a lot of industries when you're when you're working your face off, you might be missing the big picture. And that's what I mean by spreading yourself too thin. Is is sometimes you get with your head in the sand. And 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 opportunities literally pass you by and land in someone else's hand that just happens to be looking forward instead of down. And so closing the second store was a blessing. Uh, it was just this October. I think it was six months ago. And it was also a blessing that my lease renewal at Brooklyn Park was like five days after I was required to make the decision and the the only reason why I decided to keep Brooklyn Park open is because the other stores closed and I found out that they closed at the exact moment about five days in advance of me having to make the decision to close that store and, and if those stores hadn't closed at that moment I would have closed that store and so again somebody was looking out for me something was happening to me that the stars were aligned but none of that shit matters if you're not willing to help yourself and really dig into the details and really make decisions not based on emotion or fear. it's, It's really difficult. That's also a skill that's learned. It's a discipline and it's a lifelong one because you can digress very, very easily. How the original store became profitable and how it operates now? Well, that area was in the recession in 2008 and, and rents were basically screwed. The whole center didn't develop. The highway didn't get extended. So I snuck in there and I actually knew the guy from college that was on charge of the real estate side. And I knew I was getting a good deal, right? Like I studied real estate in school. So I knew about commercial lease agreements. I knew about uh, triple net leases. I knew about uh, rent per square foot and what was reasonable And I found out that I had the most favorable rent in the building. It was escalating though. So, uh, I made sure to do my due diligence if I, if I could on that side and how that store became profitable was good staff, nearby store closures, and then me being able to exit from working in the store, uh, is, is it randomly how that store became profitable? And Nicole is my girlfriend who I met at the GNC who now manages that place. My, my really good friend Mitch is is just is slaying there right now. He's been on and off, I think, for like pfft, since day one. Mitch might have been the the right at the same time as Connor. He came over from corporate and started working with me. And so it's really important that you have people that you trust and, and actually like while you're working because it stimulates – uh, positive vibes and those go a long way, especially in sales. And it gave me the opportunity to do what I do now, which is moved on from that. And it's something that I had to do because if your girlfriend, we have two kids, all work at a single GNC, and you know a little bit of something about what's happened to the retail industry in the last five years, I think you're a dumbass. If you sit there and don't do anything to mitigate the risk of all of your income coming from a place that will most likely not be around for retirement, right? It's virtually almost guaranteed that that business model will not provide for as long as I am going to need into retirement and things of that nature. You know, that's not to say it won't, but I'm not going to sit there and cross my fingers either, right? Right. And she kicks ass at it. And it was time for me to move on because I had mastered everything I could there. And just like everything else in my life, like I, 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 I kind of need to keep moving forward. I need to keep acquiring knowledge, skills. And they got to be different sometimes because it, it has to stimulate me. Like I have to play a game that I haven't mastered yet or I literally get bored with it like a old video game, and like then I just am like, all right, well, idle hands are the devil's playground. what 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 stupid shit am I gonna get in? And so, uh, you know, I got sober, lived in a sober house. I do not participate in AA anymore. I still hold a lot of those values close to me, and I still have a lot of great friends from there that do participate in it. but I, but I do find that I am borderline, you know, obsessive with my work and with the gym and, uh, that's my nature, but I don't necessarily think that that is a bad thing, right? I don't think that there is a right way and a wrong way to do most things. And so I just want to touch on that. Although I don't participate in, in AA anymore, I definitely am not one to say that anything negative against it, Right. I might even go back. And so I find a lot of times when people get sober, do their thing, leave the program, you know, they tend to regress and fuck up and, and end up in Loserville again. Hopefully that doesn't happen to me. And and hopefully you know, I'm sticking true to myself when I say that. I just want to accomplish different things, right? And there's only so many hours in a day. And that sober house, I would drive home and I would go to four AA meetings a week. And I was the only one in that house with a car at one point. So I'd have to pick up everybody, go do all this shit. And it was awesome at the time. But when you're talking about building a businesses or accomplishing goals that might be a little higher than the average person's aspirations, everybody has 24 hours in a day. And so, you know, I've definitely second-guessed myself on that subject so many different times because people are overwhelmingly concerned with uh, my well-being and it's not really possible for me to explain to them that I still have all the love for the program. I still have all the gratitude, all my friends. I'm not pissed off at AA. I don't, I don't think they're a bunch of losers. I don't do, think any of that. I just think you look, at, you look at it and make an unemotional decision. There's this many hours in the day here's, here's where I want to go. Well, look at everybody else that's been there and look at how hard they work. Look at all the time spent. So I think you're fucking delusional to say that you're going to go to however many AA meetings a week, volunteer at so-and-so go speak at somewhere and still accomplish all that. And so, you know, that's the decision I made right now. Uh, actually let's be real. It's been like three years since I've been at AA meeting. Um, Went to the sober house in uh, I got sober April 4th, 2014. So that'll give you the timeline, right? But I laid a great foundation. I did that for a long time. And that sober house kept me in line and taught me a lot of basics. I work in the mortgage industry as a loan officer. And, you know, I've been back in here for about two years. And just like I said, I never took any money out of the stores uh, above minimum wage. When you break down how many hours I put in, until after I left, because then I still run certain expenses and things of that nature, although I don't participate in in the manual hours of working there. And that's part of the benefits of owning a business is that you get to find out how a lot of different things work on taxes, on expenses, on business expenses, and what's allowed and what's not allowed, what's frowned upon, what's not frowned upon, because that's a whole complicated arena that is well beyond my knowledge now. But I definitely know how vast the arena is because I got introduced to it because prior to that, you're not introduced to it anywhere. Not in school. I wasn't introduced to it from my parents. I, I I just wasn't introduced to it in a practical manner. So people could say, Yeah, but you can write it off on your taxes. Sweet dude. What the fuck does that even mean? In practical terms. Where where how do you really explain that? And I and I it's hard to if you haven't actually been through it or you don't have somebody willing to sit down with you with pens and papers and go through it. So the mortgage industry is extremely competitive right now. And I noticed that the moment I got in there again, because I worked in it prior. And so margin compression, it's the same thing that's happening in literally every other industry, which everybody should be aware about because your industry might be affected. Automation. Okay. Technological advancements. Those might bring wages down. Those might eliminate positions, but it became very apparent when I got over here that like, Hey, maybe this profession actually won't be around when I'm retiring either. That's the fucking same reason I left the GNC. So I got here and I'm like, shit, this is the same story. It's a different story, but it's the same story. So being able to recognize that, uh, well in advance of a lot of other people that I was working with, uh, You know, you do something for so long and you think it's going to be around forever. The average age of a loan officer is fucking like 57 years old. And so you're talking to people that that never grew up in an environment of life when they were growing up that changed so fast. And, you know, I don't think real estate agents and loan officers are going to be like out of a job in the next five years because of automation or something. But I think that it's worth paying attention to the reality, that that stuff might happen and how will it influence you and how will it influence your job? Maybe you just don't like your job the way it is influenced by technology. You know, maybe you don't have as many people you work with and, and a lot of people do value working at a company where they get to see people, have company events and things of that nature. So, you know, that conversation could get elongated forever. But this also gave me the opportunity to study the financial markets in way greater detail than I ever had, because I was a loan officer assistant uh, way back then. I, I originate my own loans. I learned how to sell at the GNC. I learned a lot about human behavior. I learned a lot about tax returns, contracts. Um, and it turns out I, I, I must have at least a little bit of a knack, for this job because for one i find structuring loans incredibly interesting even the really difficult ones that you might not get paid as much money on i find them interesting okay they're interesting and fun when you have ample time to allocate and do them. That's not the case in the mortgage industry or real estate industry in general. It's either slow and I have anxiety because I'm slow or I'm way too busy and there's nothing I can fucking do about it because that's the cyclical nature of the industry. And there's a lot of people that have addictive personalities in this industry. I can spot them a mile away because I am one, right? And so it's a dangerous industry for you know people like me Uh, however, it, 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 it does excite me and I find it interesting. And then everything that's going on right now is fascinating to watch. Like I said, March 16th, 2020, you know, this virus basically just demolished the stock market, the fed cut rates, the general consumers reaching out and saying, Hey, our mortgage rates at zero. The Fed fund rate basically doesn't have anything to do with mortgage rates. Nobody knows that. Okay, so what does? Now the skill of researching information comes into full effect and I go nerd out on the computer and I dig, okay? And then I find some shit that makes logical sense. Like, Does this add up when you look at the full picture? And ultimately, there's so many different scenarios and there's so much more knowledge that I can't even tell you my thoughts on what's going to happen. But the, the point is, is incredibly fascinating because there's so much to learn. And all of this learning will make me better at my job. Um, and, and we are now diversified, right? Nicole works at the GNC. I work over here. I have a situation that I get income coming in every month from that opportunity that I talked about. And I live off that money, including that rental that I originally lived at, I don't live there anymore. I kept it and rented it out. And it turned out to be a really awesome rental. And I bought another one, uh, I don't know when, but a couple years later, and so that also provides me cash flow. And, And those can be elongated conversations too, but I knew real estate, okay? And so when I started making some money, of course the first thing that I bought was an additional property. They both panned out really well. Uh, my girlfriend Nicole even lived in one of them for a little while. And the reason she lived in one of them for a little while, because we're on the same page. And I talked about the game plan. And the game plan is that I'm, I'm digging out of a fucking hole and I happened to meet you at a, at a very uh, unprepared time in my life because I was still living with a bunch of sober dudes, you know, still living a very routine life. And she had some two kids and we didn't live together and I was not prepared to progress fastly. I literally wasn't able to do it. There was no way emotionally, no fucking way. So I lived with my best friend's girlfriend in her basement for $600 a month, which that rental unit paid for. And then Nicole moved into my rental unit because he was an alcoholic and disappeared and, and we did that for a year, uh, 13 months, and I was looking for a place to buy. couldn't find a place to buy. couldn't find a place to buy. Finally, we just went ahead and I knew that I was coming to the mortgage industry. I knew locationally where there was an opportunity to live to maximize my time. Time is something that is very important that I think a lot of people undervalue. It's an apartment. It's 100 yards from the original GNC, which we still own. She works there. It's five minutes from my Maple Grove mortgage office. It's 20 minutes from my Otsego mortgage office. It's centrally located. I don't hit one single stoplight, okay? Time is not money, okay? Time is not money. Time is more valuable than money. Because there's even companies selling it back to you, which is Amazon and Uber. Those people sell time indirectly because you're able to move faster and more efficiently. Therefore, you can accomplish the same things in less time, in, 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 in essence, buying you time, okay? And that apartment bought me time. It allowed me to do just work. And there's another company that I forgot to mention that my girlfriend and I started that's just a small little startup. It's, it's really a product, not a company, but I had a lot of fun with it and it came out of nowhere. And it, it, it allowed me to learn about building websites, online sales, uh, credit card processing on questionable products in the market because we were basically decimated and said nobody will process our credit card transactions. And and that's about all I'll say on that, but it's an internet company where a product similar to like... Uh, A product you would sell at any other retail store Is shipped out Okay, That business made money this year I started that business with $4,000 And some help from Nicole And some help from yours truly Dimitri Which is the mastermind behind This guy right here That guy right there And then figuring out how to get this shit to the world And so People and time are really important because they they are the cornerstone of possibilities and that first employee connor introduced me to dimitri who's sitting here with me four or five years later maybe even six i'm losing track of time but again i came into the mortgage industry it's 2020 i've been here since february 21st 2018 I have still not spent any money of that money. And now we are in sort of uh, a little bit of an economic turmoil. And so I'm going to leave my story at this juncture because it's pretty much wrapped up. Except for the next endeavor in the immediate endeavor, which is like this week. Is what the fuck to do now, like right now. Considering there's a virus, considering the stock market's going to shit, uh, considering mortgage rates are out of whack, considering there's a lot of uncertainty with this shutdown, schools being shut down, I think it'll all pass. I think it's I think it's all ultimately the way it needs to be, uh, but it has a huge effect on our economy because our government's required to stimulate it, and that means printing money, and that has unknown side effects, and so. I'm going to be endeavoring into buying Bitcoin and figuring out how to store that in a safe manner, which if you don't know anything about Bitcoin, go ahead and Google that shit. You'll be lost for like seven hours. So I'm paying someone to do that, to guide me, a a consultant. And I don't know this person, right? I've never met them. Um, I established a retirement account through them, which I didn't even know existed. It's called a solo 401k for those of you who are entrepreneurs with no employees, in my opinion, it's the best because you manage it yourself and you can invest in whatever the fuck you want, not whatever stocks that particular company has in their portfolio, like real estate, like gold, like Bitcoin, and it can be tax deferred. That's another conversation, but it gives you a little bit of light that literally I had to search for that opportunity. People didn't even, when I ran about people, they were like, nah, dude, doesn't exist. Never heard of it before. Well, sure enough. That was inaccurate information. But I'm running a risk by doing that because I'm endeavoring into an area that I'm probably not capable with the amount of time that I have to do proper due diligence. But I am going to buy some, some gold and some Bitcoin. And I'm going to figure out where to store it, um, which is a whole nother conversation that I don't know the answer to yet. And the basics of a business is... How to run efficiently. You got to do taxes. You got to have accountants that are looking out for you. You don't want to get audited. You have to have banking relationships. vendor relationships. Um, And you're pretty much required to do that as one person. Until you get big enough to hire that stuff out. Social media is another one right. Gary V says it's a blessing. And it is. But it didn't used to be required as another thing to put on your plate as a small business owner to make yourself successful. And 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 you can get lost in the sauce. It's very easy because this shit's time-consuming and and the results are not immediate. And so all those things have to be analyzed in an appropriate manner. And that just comes from making mistakes. So I'll leave you with this. And I'm excited for the future. I'm really not too bent out of shape for this virus. But I've spent the last two years making a lot of sacrifices. Like my girlfriend and I lived in separate places. I lived with my best friend's girlfriend in her basement. You know, I've came here. I've worked my ass off in the last two years. And it's simply because I I did think that something immediate in the near future would alter the economy. And ultimately, my money flow... And I didn't have anything saved up, right? Like I just, I fucking didn't have anything. The GNC never made enough money to accumulate that in a short amount of time. And as I was seeing things, it was not looking, not looking good. That's not to say that recessions are a bad thing. Some of the greatest opportunities occur in a recession. The problem is, is if you're not prepared for one, and I don't mean worried. I literally just mean prepared. And so there's a difference, a distinguishable difference. Um, so that's my story up until this point, And I've made a lot of mistakes. And those mistakes have been the greatest lessons of my life because I was able to come back from all of them. And you come back with more tools in your toolbox, skills, knowledge, habits. Habits is the one that's kind of... You learn a habit. Well, that doesn't mean it's gonna stay with you because that's in here, and it's it's not it's not in here. And so, I just pointed to my uh, chest, meaning habits are in in your heart and in, in a little bit more emotional discipline, where knowledge and skills are in your brain. And and I, and I want to distinguish those differences for people who can't see the screen. So thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you soon. There might be some more bonus episodes considering this is actually dropping during the weirdest time of my life and I'm 32. I was around for the last financial crisis. I wasn't mature enough to know anything about it, but we're also in the middle of a situation where a lot of people around the world are going to die from a virus without a vaccine. And we will come out of it on the other side, which is why I'm not really scared necessarily. Uh, I'm more excited to see what unfolds because I'm far more prepared now for something like this than I ever have been. And I just find that we are so intertwined globally that it's just fascinating. And so I wish everybody well, stay healthy, And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Boom.